Okay, so let's get into our message this morning as the preteens and the high schoolers head off there. Ben, are you sticking around for, to hear your dad preach? I think it's brilliant, eh? Mm. Looking back on 2022, this is some of the feedback that I've collated and clocked in my mind as I look back on last year. Last year was one of the most fruitful years we've had in a long time after COVID, right? But it came at a cost as well. It was hectic. It was busy. It was more busy than than we anticipated. We all thought after COVID, we were going to slow down. We have learned the lessons now, and we're never going to live at the frantic pace with which we lived before COVID, right? That was many of us as a church, that was the, the phrases we were using. But looking back, when you look at 2022, many people say, I don't even know what happened. It just, it's like 2022 happened to me, and I'm exhausted at the end of it. It's like all the no's of COVID, suddenly we said yes to everything, and it really, really happened uh, at frantic pace. And so what I want to say now is this message, is a, it's not part of any series, we'll get into those as we go from here. This is just a one-off stop. It's a, it's a sporting analogy. I apologize for all the non-sporting fans here. But at the start of a scrum in a rugby match, one of the things South Africa has is the very best, most wonderful scrumming machine in the world. Before we scrum, the ref will say, crouch, pause, and then we engage. And, and this is, in a sense, like the last... Guys, can we just pause before we engage with 2023? I know 2023 is already happening, and I know you're at work, and I know it's all happening. But this is the last moment to just say, let's just pause, and let's just give some thought to making sure that the big rocks are in place in our life before we just allow it to get filled with everything. This is a little bit of a message of how do we thrive in 2023. If you're new to our church, I want to say welcome. We are thrilled that you are here. Perhaps you're still working out your faith. This is a brilliant message to look in and get an, almost a summary as to what the Christian faith and the Christian life is all about. We're going to open our Bibles, if you will, with me to Hebrews chapter 10 as we kind of seek Christ for wisdom for how to live in 2023. We're going to look first at what Christ has done for us, and then we're going to follow the logic of the author as he looks at first what Christ has done for us into how then we can live in this, this year. My message title is this, Three Pursuits Worthy of Your Life in 2023. Three Pursuits That Are Worthy of Your Life in 2023. Are you ready? Let's go. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way open for us, through the curtain, that is, His body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with, with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings." having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray together. Father, as we come before your word, we pray that you would speak to us from your word, God. Thank you that you inspired it all those years ago and that it is still timely to speak to our lives today. Would you show us, Christ, something of who you are, what you mean to our lives, and therefore, in light of that, how we can live this year? God, before we even engage any further, God, we bring you our calendars in 2023. 
We don't know what this year brings. And when we love to plan, some of us are really strategic and we, we map it all out. But Lord, we know that you are sovereign. You are in control where we truly are not. And so Christ, we bring you this pause moment before we fully engage. And we ask, Lord, that you'd speak to us. Shape us now. Give us, give us principles and values to live by in this year, that this year would be on a trajectory that would lead us towards Christ-likeness and fruitfulness in, 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 in life, we pray. Amen. Three pursuits worthy of your life in 2023. There are many things you can give your life to. The, the list is endless, but there are three that I want to give to you that I believe are truly, truly worthwhile. Think of these ways as three ways to make Christ central in your life. But before we get to those three ways, we need to know why and how these ways are even possible. Rightly understood, we understand who Jesus is, what he's done, and then we can understand these three ways we live. So let's take a look at verse 19 to 21 in a little bit more detail. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way opened for us through, a, through the curtain that is his body, since we have a great high priest over the house of God. Let me start by saying this. You are welcomed in to the most holy place. You are welcomed into the most holy place through Christ who has made a way. You have been welcomed in to the most holy place. Okay, but what does that mean? What does that actually mean? Remember this book of Hebrews was written to Hebrews. It was written to Jews who had come to faith to see Christ as their Messiah King. And so they had an understanding. They were steeped in the scriptures. They knew what the most holy place was. And in the writing of this letter, the author, under, he assumes a whole bunch of background understanding that maybe you and I don't carry with us. So what does it mean to be welcomed in to the most holy place? I mean, it sounds awesome, but it's so detached from our modern instant. Facebook kind of world, what does it mean to be welcomed into the most holy place, that a new and living way has been opened for us? Well, the most holy place was the most sacred piece of geography on the planet. Think in terms of concentric circles. Okay, this letter I said was written to the Hebrews. These were the people of God, and, and, and the people of God were led to the promised land, which was the place for the people of God to live, the promised land known to some as the holy land, Right? It was the place where the God's people were to live in the Holy Land. But at the center of the Holy Land, there was the Holy City of Jerusalem, right? And at the center of the Holy City, I had the privilege of going there, I think, in about 2019. The center of the Holy City is Temple Mountain, right? And, and you would ascend up this mountain to the center of Temple Mountain, to the very temple itself. And you would go through the courts into the temple. And then at the very center... The holy, the holy land, the holy city, the holy mountain, the holy temple, the very center of this, these concentric circles was this, the heart of the temple. It was called the most holy place. When you'd gone through all of those things, you'd get to the most holy place, called the holy of holies. And once a year, a priest was selected to go in on behalf of the entire nation. And he would go into the most holy place. Why was it so holy? Because it was the place on the earth where the presence of God dwelt. That was God's home among his people. Once a year, 
one person was selected under the right circumstances to enter into this place. And he would bring prayers of forgiveness for sin and the continued favor with God. It was, if you will, the most holy place was the interface between heaven and earth, the interface between God and a broken and sinful humanity. It was the epicenter of the presence of God on the face of the earth, the most holy place. And there was a curtain that separated the most holy place from from the temple, from the temple courts, from Temple Mount, from the city of Jerusalem, from the promised land, from the rest of the world. There was a curtain, this barrier. The the curtain, I always just knew it as a curtain, but upon studying it a little bit more, discovered it was nine centimeters thick. The thickness of this curtain was a handbreadth. I mean, I've never seen a piece of fabric in my life that thick, I don't think. Yeah, nothing, it, it was that thick to separate this holiness of God from the rest of the world. And, and, and this priest would come in once a year at the right time. If anyone else entered wrongly, instantly they would die. It was like touching the sun. You'd be burned up in that moment. It was, it was just the immensity of the power and the glory of God was just so immense. It'd be like touching the sun. You got too close, you, you got, it was unsurvivable. So let's go back and read this together, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, we can enter there with confidence. I mean, that's staggering. That would be ludicrous. If you, if you, knowing what you know now, those who were hearing it then, it is just incredible. We can have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way open to us through the curtain. Remember the curtain, the moment that Christ died on the cross. You, you, you remember reading, if, you, if you're familiar with the Bible, the veil was torn in two. That curtain was ripped in such a way as we can have access into the presence of God. A way has been made supernaturally through Christ's death. The curtain had been torn in order that you and I can have access into the presence of God. Of God. And what we're reading here, friends, is the heart of the gospel. It's that we who were outside of all of those concentric circles, because of our sinfulness, because of our pride, because every one of us was in some way a defined enemy of God, we competed with God for the authority of our own lives. We who squeeze God out of our lives in our quest for our own autonomy and independence. We who changed what we thought God should really be like because we didn't like a God who was like this. And so we recreated another one who more fit our box of what God could be like. We, we who should never have been allowed in there, like touching the sun, we should have been consumed on the spot. But the writer said, Jesus' body took the heat for you and Jesus' body took the heat for me in order that we could enter into the very presence of God. Through Jesus' sacrificial death, he became the mediator into the presence of God for us. He, 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 every year the priest would come, and every year the priest would have to come again because each sacrifice was never enough. It always needed another one every year, another one, another one, another, another visit, another one. And until Christ came, in Christ becoming human, he was sinless in every single way. He, when he gave himself as the ultimate sacrifice. It was for once, for all, never to be repeated again. 
that we could enter with confidence into God's presence. Now, I know for some of you, as you hear that, you struggle a little bit with the concept of like animals and sacrifices and blood, and it feels very barbaric and far away from modern society, and I get that, and, and, and probably there needs to, there's not time today to unpack all of this, but the bottom line is this. The bottom line is actually quite simple to grasp. You and I could never get near God. We could never enjoy life with him in heaven because God is good and perfect and holy. And friends, if we're really honest, we are far from it. If you're new to our church and you're looking in, I want you to know that what gets us in the room today is we are not the elite moral people of society. We, if there was a competition of all the CVs, we don't gather today because we are the cream of the moral crop of our world. That's not what puts us in this room. Maybe some of you think, you know, you're in the wrong place. You have to find somewhere else to go. Ah. As the church, we are those who have understood our desperate, inescapable need for God's grace and forgiveness in our lives. We are those who realize, like Isaiah, uh, who, who, who prophesied that same thing that Sean, or scripture that Sean shared earlier. Isaiah, when he was called, had a vision of God. And his vision of God was like that of one approaching the sun. And as God grew brighter and brighter and greater and greater in his vision, he began to feel like he was about to be swallowed up in his presence. This is how it went, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 5. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people with unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, I've come too close to the sun, he's perfect, he's glorious, he's going to consume me. I don't deserve to be here. He saw how out of this world awesome God was, and he knew instantly he didn't belong. But then what happened in verse 6? And then one of the seraphim flew to me. It's one of the angels flew to him with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. And he touched it to his mouth and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Through Christ has made a way for us to live in the presence of God. You and I, not priests, not perfect in every way, and yet we are welcomed in. Once and for all, sin blotted out, burnt up, paid in full. Not every year you have to re-go for a top-up. Nor is there an outstanding tab that some of us have to settle with God. I wonder, just as I was preparing this message, I wonder if there's some of us as Christians, you know, yeah, God's taken care of that and yeah, He's forgiven, but, but, but not that thing. There's, there's that thing in my life that if, if you knew what I had done, if, if you knew that part of my life, You'd feel like, no, no, that's the one thing that's off. I've still, got to, I've still got to do some business with God around that thing because it, there is no that thing. Once and for all, the, the power of Christ's sacrificial death in taking your place, paying for everything you have ever done, past, present, and future. There is no more score that you still have to settle with God, not through suffering. It's not like when you go through something hard, God is now punishing you now because of that thing that you did. Friends, I, 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 know, I, I know that we, we, these are truths that we hear in our heads, but we've got to wrestle them to bear in our lives. 
There's no purgatory, purgatory waiting for you one day where you've got to suffer your way through. Your sin has been paid for in full. There, there is no more significant moment in all of history that, that, that should shape the way we live as Christ followers. We have been welcomed in with God. We have been made right with Him. We are welcomed in to life with God in His presence. This is what we call the gospel, and it changes everything. Now, how does this impact how we live in 2023. I've been reading a fantastic leadership book. If you want to read a book on leadership uh, th- this year, I'd encourage you to read Paul Tripp's book called Lead. There are many leadership books that speak about uh, competency in leadership. There's, those are okay. Uh, then, then you get to books that speak about character in leadership. Those are, those are a bit better. But, but this one speaks about culture in leadership, and it is phenomenal. And Paul Tripp is looking at what does gospel culture look like? How does the gospel inform the culture in which we lead, and it's specifically around church culture, but it would overlap to all of life. And one of the things he says, just two lines from the book, the gospel is not just a set of historical facts. It is that. It is also a collection of present redemptive realities. The gospel is a living identity for all who believe. It's a living identity. These truths that we've looked at this morning, that you have been welcomed in, belonging in the presence of God, is a living identity. You are a child of God, welcomed in to His presence. That is a living identity that you then carry out into your marriage, into your friendships, into your relationship with your parents, into how you spend your money, into what you do with your time. This is a living identity that then like a spring, overflows into every facet of our lives. We are those who've been restored into life with God in spite of our brokenness, in spite of our sinfulness, in spite of our selfishness, in spite of our laziness, in spite of our rebelliousness. Whatever yourness is, in spite of all of those things, Christ has made a way for you to be with God. In death, yes, but in life too. Can we bank that? Then, three, three things, three things to live by in 2023. Three lettuces, if you will. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold to our hope and let us consider one another. Let us draw near to God. Let us hold to our hope and let us consider one another. Number one, let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and a with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. You got a guilty conscience? You need to to come to Christ. You need to have him sprinkle your conscience. In a sense, he cleanses us, he forgives us, he renews us, he makes us new. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water first thing we do in 2023, when you set about your big goals, your big rocks for 2023, let us draw near to God. How are we to draw near to God? With a sincere heart and with full assurance. Draw near to God because of your confidence in Christ. I want to say to you today, if you are in Christ, you belong. You belong in the presence of God. You belong in the presence of God. You belong. If you're young, you belong. If you messed up last year, you belong. If if there's a cloud that is hanging over you as you start 2023, 
because of some things that you did. If you are in Christ, you belong. The word in the Greek here, with full assurance, means free and open expression, especially with regard to prayer and how we commune with God. And, and here's the emphasis. It's a reasoned confidence. A reasoned confidence means it doesn't come naturally to think like this. When I describe to you a priest once a year entering the Holy of Holies, and I didn't even say this, but if he had any sin or if there's anything in his life that, that was not right, that guy would drop on the spot. He had a rope tied around his legs. And, and, and the other guys outside would listen for when the noise stops, the the, the, the kind of bells they would put on him that would hear jingling, uh, if that stopped, they would pull him out because he'd come too close to the sun and he wasn't ready. You and I, we would be terrified to step into that place. You, you, you'd think so. But yet, the scriptures say we get to come with full assurance. And what we do with our place of insecurity, God, yeah, you, you mean this for other people, but surely not for me. Luke, as you say this, it must be for this really holy person here or this really holy, I, I don't know but surely not for me. And what you do in that place, a reasoned confidence, meaning you reckon it to be true. You take this truth that you, you've heard that's good, and then you, you apply it in your life. It's a reasoned confidence, which means you wrestle this truth to bear in your heart and in your mind. When you go for a paddle, you take it with you, and you think it through. When you go for a run, you take this truth, and you think, where am I not living in this way? How do I reason this to be true in my life? We, we, we have to appropriate this truth to our insecurity hearts. If you are in Christ, you are not an imposter who snuck in the door somehow, unwanted by God. And all those other holy people, they're excelling. But you somehow snuck in the back door and you're kind of allowed to be here just for a while till they really find you out and they know who you really are. I've felt like that lots in my life, guys. That's it. You have been welcomed in through Christ who has made a way. In 2023, make it the year that you draw near to God. What does it look like to live this out in 2023? What does it look like to draw near to God daily in your life? Do it daily. Guys, the fact that Christ would make a way is simply because he wants you in, right? Jesus would never have made a way if he didn't want to do life with you. He would never have opened the door into his presence with you if he didn't want to live life uh, with you in his presence. And so this year, let me say to you, go home tonight as you go to bed, take out a journal, do some thinking. I'm not sure what your process is, but, uh, but what does it look like for you to draw near to God daily in 2023? What does it look like to incorporate Christ's presence more into your day and into your weekly rhythms? The curtain has been torn. The presence of God is now with you in your home, in your school, in your office as you go to graft. What does it look like? How are you going to draw near to Christ in the daily rhythms of your office and your school life and, uh, and your rhythms this year? Put that one before you as a question. Number two. So first one, let us draw near to God. Number two, let us hold to our hope. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. To hold unswervingly, again in the Greek, simply means to, the word is retain, like you retain the information for a test. Not like the one where you cram for and then two weeks later you forget, you know? I did a lot of that in my life. But to hold unswervingly, to retain, means you, you, you study this. You, you're holding on to it in your mind. To keep a tight grip. The same word is also used in the context of a friendship. A friendship where you've invested in over many years. Where you say, that friend, I'm going to keep investing. Every year, every month, I'm going to call that person. Because I don't want that relationship to lapse. 
You know those friendships? That's the word for this. To hold unswervingly means to retain, to keep investing in, to make sure that it stays strong. To hold unswervingly in the hope that we profess. What is your hope at the start of 2023? What is your hope at the start of 2023? Is your hope in money? In a salary raise? Is your hope in the turnaround of the economy? Finally, ESCOM's going to get it together and the economy's going to pick up and Putin's going to get out of Ukraine and everything's going to free up and then, then it's going to all come together, right? Is your hope in a new job? In a job, uh, what, what is your hope in? Is your hope in falling interest rates so you can recover something of your bond? I don't, I don't, what is your hope in this year? Is your hope in your children? What is your great hope? I want to say to you, there is no hope like Christ. There could never be a hope like Christ who could give everything for you. He is the same hope, the same hope that gave everything to make a way for you is the same hope who holds the whole world in his hand. There is no greater person to place your hope in than Christ. And we have to feed our hearts. We have to feed our hearts to what Christ is our hope. Our culture is incessantly marketing other hopes at you and me. Every day you're being marketed hopes and promises. If you, 2023, if you just had this life, if you just had this holiday, if you just had this experience, if you just had this home, if you just had this thing, if you had X, then you would be happy. You would be safe. You would be whole. You would be blessed. If you had to make this thing your hope, strive for this thing, because if you just get this thing, then your life will matter. And this passage says to hold unswervingly to Christ as your great hope that, that, that eclipses all lesser hopes. Nothing wrong with these other hopes. It's just that they can't be the great hope of your life. When you make Christ the great hope, not your boyfriend, not your girlfriend, not your job, not your career, not the promise of a turnaround economy, all those beautiful things are secondary. When you, when you make one of those things your great hope, they, they're never going to give you what you hope they do. Christ is the only one who can truly satisfy us. And so hold unswervingly to Christ as your great hope. And what does it mean then for us application-wise tonight to go home? Curate your heart. Be honest. I mean, I've been a Christian for a long time, as many of you. I, I know what it is how easy these hopes get muddied and these other things that were wonderful secondary become primary things. What does it look like to start this year having curated your heart to make sure Christ is your great hope, not the hope of success, whether it be in work or in ministry or in anything, but, but Christ himself, your great hope. Curate your heart to set these hopes in order. Draw near to God, Hold, hold to Christ as your hope. And are you ready for the third one? The first two you've probably been okay with. The third one is where we come a little bit stuck as modern Christians. Are you ready? Let us consider one another. Let us consider one another. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider one another. There's a contrast here between two ways of life. The one is the life of a Christ follower who has made others the focus of 
his attention. Let us consider one another. The word consider means simply to pay attention to. How do I empower this person? How do I encourage these, this person in my faith community? Versus the person who slowly brings himself less and less, drifts slowly more and more into their own thing and their own preference. It's two ways of doing the Christian life. And I want to say to you today that Christianity is a team sport. Christianity is a team sport. Our church is called to be a community of encouragement. When you're welcomed into life with God, you are welcomed into a family, a place where we care for and prioritize other Christ followers in a faith community. And I want to say to you as well, I'm going to be bold here because I know I'm the pastor. uh, uh, This is not written to a pastor of a church to do on behalf of the church. It's not that the pastor then takes roll call knowing where everybody is in church. And the pastor is responsible for knowing where everybody is and what everybody is doing. That is not the case. No, uh, to play a shepherd role is to facilitate that happening in the body of Christ. What, what the writer to Hebrews is saying here is that Christian life is a life of one anothering. It's a life where every one of us have to consider others and pay attention to others. It's why we have life groups in our church. Life groups are the best place in, the, in, 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 in I think, modern Christianity or modern faith life by which we have to pitch up habitually, uh, like in this passage, to pay attention to others and to make every effort to spur others on toward faith and life. There is no such thing as a self-maintained Christian, but it's simply because God is a Trinitarian God. It's one of the things, in fact, that distinguishes uh, Christianity from all the other major faiths of the world is the fact that God is Trinitarian. He is three and yet one. It's it's mysterious. It's difficult to understand. It's the kind of thing that nobody would ever have made up because it's just so. But yet it's the same thing that gives such beauty to our faith. Because we are born into a family because God is a family. If If you were to go down right to the absolute epicenter of who God is. You strip back all the layers. Before God is king. Before God was even creator, the world was not even yet created. Who was God? God was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's one of the things that makes it, that's why Christianity, out of all the other faiths in the world, I'm not picking a fight here, but it's why Christianity can truly say God is love more than anything else. At the core of who He is, He is love simply because He is Trinitarian. And, and you can't, you can't, and it's mysterious. And how do you, is he the, how do you, ah. It's that very mysterious, glorious, beautiful truth that means God is primarily, uh, God is in his essence, love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is why when we are saved and brought into his family, we too give the same evidence and the same fruit. Our faith is communal, our faith is familial. Sorry, I didn't mean to go down a rabbit hole so long there. I wonder if for some of us today, you had a bit of a phobia. Maybe you had a past experience in another church and you think to yourself, if I start to commit myself to this church, they're gonna take over my whole life. It's gonna be like Monday night prayer groups, Tuesday night fellowship groups, Thursday night, Wednesday, wacky, when, I don't know, I don't, whatever. Like, it, it's just gonna, it's gonna oh, give them a hand, they're gonna take my, that's not what, oh, no, thank you, Siri. That's not the way it works here. But I'd also hate for an experience in the past to rob you of a glorious future in 2023 as well. We must land, we must land. 
here's one last picture I'd love to leave you with. In the preparation of this message, I came across the most beautiful uh, way in which this is uh, taught in, in nature. You know the largest living organism on the face of the earth? As far as I understand, my memory serves me correctly, it is a California redwood tree. The largest organism, as far as I understand, that's alive is a California redwood tree. Um, it, it, the largest one is, I think, called Hyperion. I know Adam is going to correct me. Adam is probably teaching. Uh, even Leanna is busy chuckling at me behind those sunglasses. I know. Hyperion, and it stands. Those California redwoods get in excess of 100 meters tall. Hyperion is 112 meters tall. Just for comparison over here, that is me. That's Dave or Luke. There's uh, Jeffrey the giraffe, Right? Here is Big Ben, here is Hyperion, standing at 116 meters, right? Now that is just staggering as a tree. 116 meters, how deep do you think its roots are? How deep? No taller than the tips of my fingers. Two to three meters deep. About as tall as Dave over there. I'm going I'm to, yet they withstand powerful winds, I'm quoting now, powerful winds and floods. Redwoods create the strength by extending their roots outwards and intertwining their roots with others, sometimes even fusing together. And it's in locking in with others that they together create a strength that sustains their enormous height which they attain. I mean, it, it flies against everything in our modern world of just follow your heart and be true to yourself and you do you, forget about everybody else. That's a great way to live a very short, sheltered life. But if you wanna go high, you gotta lock in with others. And you don't do that by locking in with others who are gonna do well by you. You lock in by considering, how do I spur them on? How do I encourage them? You lock in by living outwardly. And when you start to do this, that's when the gospel begins to work through you. You become, as Sean said, a spring. Not just a lots of water for me, but you become a spring for life to flourish around you. What's the best way to go about life in 2023? Let us draw near to God. Make this the year where you draw near to God more than ever before. Why? Because He has made a way and He wants you to. It's not like an obligation. Oh my goodness, this guy, James is coming again. God's never going to feel like that. Oh yes, He's coming in. He's finally got a 2023. He's in, He's in. Oh, He's up. He's, whatever it looks like for you. And I want to create You've got to work out, what does it look like for you to draw near to God? He, he made a way, it cost him everything for you to come in. What does it look like to hold to the hope in a world that would market to you different hopes every day, incessantly? Hold, curate your heart to keep Christ your hope. And what is your, your, your hope? What does it look like, lastly, to, to consider others? I put to you, just join a life group and don't, don't do it for the teaching. Don't do it for the truth. Do it simply because I'm here to encourage you, to spur you on and to think about you. And as you do that and others do that for you, you will become something completely different in a world that is looking out for number one. You will be looking out for a bunch of others and you will become a different kind of human being. Amen. Okay, what I want to do is I, I want us to land by coming to the communion table.
I want us to come to the communion table, and this is going to be our place of prayer now. So we're changing gears. We've looked at the scriptures. There's bits of our lives we want to live differently, and we want to, we want to appropriate the gospel in these ways. But actually, at this table, this is a table where something profoundly mysterious happens. God meets us as he meets us in his word. It's true, but he meets us in this medium as well. In fact, as we take of the bread and as we take of the it's grape juice symbolizing the wine that Christ had with him that first night, there's something in, in literally taking into ourselves. We're drawing into ourselves supernaturally. Our faith is a supernatural one, guys. It's not just a cognitive one. I love that Christianity makes more sense of the human experience than anything else in the world. I love that. But we're not just here because we've logically found the right answer. No, 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 no. Christianity at its heart is a supernatural faith. There is something that happens supernaturally by the Spirit of God and your spirit. As we come to this table, God meets us. So I'm trusting here as we, as we hear the word, as we bring ourselves in faith to this table, that God is going to meet with us and minister to us, not just individually, but as a family as well. And so uh, can I ask that we share these, uh, these elements around rather than... Rather than um, all of us queuing and taking, could, would some of you mind passing them around? Any, 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 as long as you're a part of our church and you're a believer. This is a family moment because, because we know and worship a Trinitarian God. Thanks, Kirsty. Thanks, Keeks. Thank you, both. While these, things, while these elements are going around, can I just keep sharing a little bit more about what is going on here? One of the things we want to do this year is, is we really want to make more of this great gift that communion or the Eucharist is to the church. As leaders, we spoke about it last year. As elders, we grappled with it even more last year. And personally, I grappled with it as well. And just reaching a place where we realize that God has got more for us in this aspect, the sacrament. It's called the sacrament. Sacrament simply meaning an, an outward sign of something that is happening on the inside. And, uh, and there's more going on in this table that we need as Christ followers to live in God's ways. And so this year, we want to do that. Obviously, if you're not a Christ follower, please, no pressure. Um, we're not putting this on you. This is for, for us as Christ followers to, to feast on Jesus. That said, perhaps over some time or even maybe just today, you've been wrestling about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And maybe you're ready. Maybe you're ready to say, hey, this is me. I want to follow Jesus. This is a great way, a great first step to live out your faith as you say, Christ, I'm taking you into myself. I need you. My life is yours, you and me. Let's intertwine and fuse and become one like those roots. In this meal, I wanna just highlight one or two things that are happening. The first thing is we celebrate and we remember Christ's death for us. These were not just random elements, but Christ. The bread symbolizes Christ's body. Christ's body, like this one piece of bread, was broken into many pieces as Christ died on the cross. This is not just grape juice because it's healthy and full of vitamins. No, no, this is grape juice because it symbolizes the blood of Christ poured out as he emptied himself in death so that life would come to us. And when we, when we eat of this meal, we remember that our life as Christ's 
brothers and sisters, as children of God, our life comes not from ourselves. It doesn't even come from our morality. It comes from Christ who sustains us. And we invite him in freshly. God, would you pour your life into me and sustain me? Everybody got? Can we stand together as I continue? So we remember Christ's vitality sustaining us as you hold these things in your hands. This meal reminds us of our union with Christ. As much as we, we, we eat of this bread, we drink of this wine, these things become part of who we are. They're taken into our very cells. So we celebrate in this meal that you and I have been brought into union with Christ, Christ into me, and, and, and extraordinarily, me into Christ. We have been fused. We've become one. I am his, and he is mine. We sing in that song. Our union with Christ, he lives within me by his spirit. We become one. I'm unified with him in this meal. And lastly, we, like the many different individual grapes scattered all over, brought together into one vat, one barrel, crushed together, become one glorious wine. We too, who were individualistic scattered, become one family. We're together, we're bound together. That the church would sing that hymn, bind us together. We become a family. We become like a forest of redwoods. You have a family. You belong. Christ made a way. Let me pray for us. Christ, I pray that you would you would minister these truths to our hearts right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that this is not a forgotten faith that distant long ago something happened and now we try and just remember what that is. But no, this is alive now. This is a living identity that, Lord, you are present with us now as we eat of this bread, as we drink of this wine, Lord Jesus. You would minister these truths to us, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us individually. Speak to us corporately. Secure us in the truth as we take you in and we celebrate your work, Christ. What is it that you need as you go from this place today? Is it strength? Is it courage? What is the vitality? What does it look like for you to find in Christ that which you need now to live in his ways? Is it as a business owner? Is it as a, a high schooler or as a primary schooler to live out your faith in this world? To hold true to the hope in a world that would cause you to? Is it as a husband or a wife? Draw from Christ now. Lord, I need you. Thank you that you are with me. Thank you that I'm in you and you're in me. And together, we can do what you've called us to. Thank you, Lord.